How's it going, everyone? It is me, Lone Vault Wanderer, and we are here with episode 144 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Thanks yes. for joining, everybody. Thank you. Um, I'll explain my absences for the past couple of weeks. Uh, each time, Carrick and Maddie they wanted to get a particular guest on, and the only time that that guest could have recorded was when either I was at work or asleep at like two in the morning. <laughs> so it's I Betty by time for loan. Absolutely. He didn't find us important enough to wake up for. I guess I don't know. Two in the morning, Carrick. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I I said you know what if you want these guests on I'll I'll happily miss those podcasts but I'm here now and Maddie isn't here because he's got some previous commitments but Carrick and I we have a big big week of news it's been pretty interesting what do you think Carrick? Well, I do want to say that if people wonder if it's just a random thing, it's not. You should check out what uh, Maddie's doing. It's pretty fucking cool. Absolutely, and um, it's something that I like. It's easy to cut people down all the time, and I've seen people in the post be like, why is this person gone and this person gone? And it's like, I'm going to tell you right now, compared to my reasons, um, almost all the reasons that Maddie has given you know, <laughs> to be gone and you have given have made sense. This one makes more so. You should check out his, uh, his Twitter, but basically he's going to Edmonton to play in a true tournament for hockey, which is something the dude awesome. has dreamed about for a long time. So you should celebrate that and, and not be so hard on him. I yeah, know, Maddie. I know he feels it. <laughs> no, seriously, it's actually awesome news. I know how much Maddie loves hockey. It's like the only sports thing he, he talks about with me, and that's about it. Um, yeah. But good luck to Maddie with that. And Carrick, so. we have some Mafia 3 Hangar 13 news to talk about. So Hangar 13 is the developer behind Mafia 3. This was a studio that was essentially brought together for this game. This was their first game from memory. Um, it did very well sales-wise. It did okay, you know, critic-wise. And their publisher, 2K, has decided to to lay off a, a number of their staff. We don't know how much they're laying off. As far as we know, the studio had about 150 staff before all of this went down. Maybe it's below 100 now. That's all speculation. Who really knows? Yeah. But we wanted to talk about this layoff and what it might mean because... If you remember, we had a podcast about this months ago about how I essentially said that it has to be Hangar 13 that's creating, for instance, the next Bioshock game. And now that they're laying off staff, what that, what, what is that going to mean? Who knows? Carrick, what are your thoughts? Well, I find it interesting that they said their last prototype was a fighting rhythm-based uh, music game. Oh, it if sounds like Bioshock the... all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I read that, I was like, okay, well, I guess we were wrong on if it was ever going to be Bioshock, they were making like, you know, uh, some kind of Def Jam, you know, yeah. Guitar Hero mix. But um, it's, we do see companies, rem you know, at the end, we've talked about this, like a 30% reduction, 40% reduction yeah. when something's done. Their last DLC was this summer. And I got to admit, I wasn't a huge fan of Mafia 3 when it came out because of the yeah. bugs. And they did a good job fixing some of them. And their DLC was great, by the way, which mm. I mean, like a good level above the main game to me personally. Yeah. So it is surprising. The only thing I can assume, and it is all assumption, is that um, for whatever reason, they didn't get Mafia 4 as their next game. They didn't get Bioshock. Yeah. They did, were told, do what you want. And they did. And somebody at uh, Take 2 looked at it and was like, I don't like it. You know, it's very I mean, interesting because like the the game again did very, very well. I mean it was one of two five K's, million. Five million. One of their most best selling games, you know, in yeah. recent memory. But yeah. you have to think, is that because it's just a mafia game and the market was right for that and people really wanted it? 
Was it because it was a good game? Because I'm leaning towards it being more that it was the Mafia brand, and that's why yeah. it sold so well. Because the game itself, looking from critic reviews and even looking from your own thoughts about it, Carrick, it seemed okay, like a solid game, but nothing crazy. And yeah. maybe... Here's the thing, because 2K could have looked at that and said, all right, we need to scale down. But as you said, scaling down is a normal, normal part of the process. So we'll never know the true reason behind this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, I mean, the game, I would, I would agree with you that the name matters a little bit too, because I know some friends who bought it just because it was Mafia 3 exactly. and then weren't happy with their purchase. And then I know some people who were, but I think we see it with Kingdom Come the same way where people will overlook certain things as well. And they'll just be like, well, I just want to get it for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, it was very interesting that it had a black protagonist as his main protagonist in Vietnam, a Vietnam era. And I thought that was cool because yeah. I, I think that nobody was expecting that. And it turned out to actually one of my favorite parts was the main character and just the different ways in which the world was set up. Yeah. Um, but. Five million sales never in the one thing I think everybody should remember is the sales never indicate what it sold and what price it was at. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I do know that there were some deals. It wasn't a games with gold, but I do know that there were some deals. And it's like, did they look at it and go, we sold one point five million at our price point. Right. Yeah. And then we sold this many. And then we don't know how many people bought their DLC. Maybe they saw a huge drop off. Um and and that's why it, I also we you and I didn't talk about this prior to the podcast and I, I'm just remembering it now. So sorry for dropping this on you, but I'm a little pissed because my personal belief is we need to stop throwing first time developers on major titles. It needs to stop. Yeah. At some yeah. Point. And the more I see, I don't think that the disillusion of these guys is like, I think a lot of that is tied to it being Mafia three. I mean, the expectations hmm. sure people might have bought it because it's Mafia three, but their expectations are higher because it's Mafia three, too. Absolutely. So it's like I sometimes wish they wouldn't say this new we've put this new team together, even if they're superstars. We've seen that before and it's failed. Uh, Daikatana failed spectacularly. And that was some superstars like what yeah. superstars don't really mean anything. They have to work together, figure out how the team works. Don't put them on Mafia three for Christ's sakes. Like yeah. let them let them do. I don't even know what type of game you would call it, but maybe not that triple A massive game. I don't like to see them destroyed because the game had some bugs. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just I mean, I mean to me be frank, bit. even have them work on an expansion for another title. There just, you just, go. Just let exactly. them to get their bearings for a little bit. Because yep. as you said, it doesn't matter how experienced. And mind you, this was an experienced bunch of people, you know, yeah, that worked right. on many different titles across. And, and predominantly, it was a lot of Bioshock work that they did. But, you know, they were experienced. But it doesn't matter how experienced or skilled the team is, because presumably yeah. they were. But they have to gel together as a team and they have to work together for, for three, four years. And yep. starting something, you know, to the scale and to the name brand of Mafia, that, that's a big deal and that's massive. And yeah. it, it is no surprise that, you know, I think it was a 70 that that game got overall and the, the DLC was kind of eh. So it, it is unfortunate. It is absolutely unfortunate. And I know that 2K has said that, and this is usually what's said, mind you, every time there's a right. layoff, that you know we'll try and redistribute staff to other areas of 2K. And, and we'll have, I, I can't remember what the name is, I'm having a mind blank now, but they have kind of like programs to help people transition to other companies generally. They might even have like a studio day where other companies can come and check out their stuff right. and their portfolios. But hopefully, you know, the main thing from all of this is that I'm hoping that everyone gets a job again. 
yeah. I'm hoping that no one leaves the industry entirely because that does happen after big layoffs. Um, yeah. But first and foremost, I do hope that they find another job within 2K somewhere because 2K does have the number of studios and good and good games. So it's and like, yeah, games. if you if you instead of going, I'm not going to mention any names, but instead of going to some podunk little place and being like, you know, scraping by, mm-hmm. it, it would be nice if they um, if they got to take some of that experience also. I don't think we value mistakes very well. In, in this society, it's always about like, well, if a company fucks up, we'll fire the CEO. And then you realize later, you're like, we just fired the one guy who's got all the data. Like, really? Yeah. Shouldn't you just look at the system and say, hey, we're going to fix the system. But no, no one does that anymore. And we lose if we do lose these people and they leave, then then somebody who maybe goes, you guys, we don't want to do this because it didn't work in Mafia 3. Or if we do do this, we need to do it differently because I got to work in a situation where that didn't work. Hmm. That's what I want to see. It's great to say everybody we've hired is superstars, but at some point you have to be like, sometimes they're at a point where they can't remember their failures. They can't remember, you know, and and then they don't work well because, you know, attitudes or, well, I'm a superstar, you know, even PR companies are calling us superstars. Like, fuck, who cares? Just work together as a team. And I, I wish, or I hope those guys also stay there because I would like to see them take the institutional knowledge of failure, go, this didn't work and then take it to, uh, 2k's other places and, and have that information. You know, it's interesting, Carrie, because this doesn't just happen in games. Like the example that I thought of when you were mentioning that was sports teams. I mean, who gets fired when it, when a sports team does bad in one season, Exactly, it's not the players. It's not right. the the coaching staff. It's the coach. It's the the head honcho, and it's yeah. not it's not even like any of the board that make the most decisions that decide how much money that the coach has. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's usually yeah. the coach. It's the he's the or she's the fallback person. Um. So, I, again, it it is unfortunate. I just I just don't know what this means for games like you know Bioshock moving forward. Games and like Mafia. Mafia Four, yeah, exactly, exactly, dude. I was, I was actually, I'm going to be honest. I may not have loved it, but I was really looking forward to Mafia Four. And when I saw the news, I was a little bit gutted about it. I was like, fuck. And, and because... also, like, uh, you know, ha- getting a Mafia Four from the team that did Mafia Three, exactly. learning from their mistakes, and then yep. making that game. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I think that's vital um, for the industry. I just don't think a lot of people. And I know some people. I was also thinking sports, so I know some people are going to be like, but sometimes the coach is a problem. That's true. Totally. What I'm saying is a lot of times, and I think what you're saying is a lot of times the knee jerk reaction is to restore confidence via just a fucking destruction of everything. (laughs) It's like, I'm not a hundred percent sure that's the way you want to do things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I hope they land on their feet, man. And I don't know, Bioshock, Mafia three. Um, those are two of the big names now that it's like, Hmm. And I'm trying to think what other studio, like I know 2k has a ton of studios, like so many, I just don't know where they have a big functioning team of at least over 100 people that can right. start to work on another game. Because I, I can't think of any. I genuinely can't. I would have to research that. Yeah. So, it yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, do you have any final thoughts about this, Carrick? No, just that I, I feel it'll push out one of the series I actually was sort of interested in seeing yeah. versus, versus others. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another controversy. Um, Valve has banned a developer after <laughs> the developer's employees left fake reviews on Steam. So, essentially, Incel Games, um, I had never heard of them, but they've uh, created online titles, mostly multiplayer games, 
they were banned because the CEO of the company told his employees to leave fake reviews, essentially, on their yeah. games on Steam so they would be seen more favorably by the community. Now, the, obviously, that is against Valve's terms of service heavily. Um, and Valve not only like just banned this developer from uploading any more games to, to Steam, but completely removed all of their games from Steam entirely. So what do you think about this, Carrick? <laughs> the face. So here's the... I don't want people thinking that I'm... It's hard to describe. I just want to make sure people understand. Um, so it sucks to be an employee there. And the reason why is if your CEO is emailing you saying we want more reviews, that indicates you didn't do as many yeah. as you should have, which probably indicates you don't agree with the philosophy. So someone, whoever leaked that email probably knew that was the end of their job, because if you pull your games off of Steam, you're done. Hmm. So it, that sucks, because if you're Joe Blow and you've programmed the game and, you know, you're pretty, you know, you maybe like it somewhat or you hope it sells somewhat well. And then your boss does this and even starts asking ever for you hmm. to write reviews, you know, you're screwed. So I think that part sucks. So it sucks for some of those people that probably refuse to do the bad things. We actually talked about this part of the podcast about like your own code of ethics. Like, what are you get? What or what are you yep. OK with? And some obviously the indication is some people were not okay with it because he had to demand them. He even told in the email that if you don't give me your receipt for your game within 24 hours, we're going to have personal discussions about why you didn't buy this game. Like that's that's belligerent as fuck. So that that I think sucks. Um, But I think that that's the only thing Steam could have done was remove. There's literally no other tool for Steam. And and talking about the employees, I mean. Let's say some of them were there for six months to up to two, three years, however long. It's hard to put that on a resume now and to say, I'm going to go oh, try and yeah. apply for another job. How, like, right. Think about it. You put that name on there and then people are like, oh, you know, uh, I heard about this. What happened? Why'd you leave? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, did you put up fake reviews? It's just, it's right. not a good look for the employees. Obviously, the company's now done because they can't, they literally cannot do the thing that they um, were created or incorporated yeah. to do. Um, but I, yeah, I mostly feel bad about the employees, the CEO that was, oh man, like he's a jank. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. I mean, I mean, come the fuck on. Yeah. At some point you have to know that'll get out too. Right. Like we joke about this all the time. Like people say, oh, there's the industry's doing this behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nah, it's not behind the scenes because you can't keep a secret. Somebody's going to leak that fucking email. And that's exactly what happened here. And that was a small company. Yeah. There is always a paper trail or Reddit investigating you. So, yeah, man, it's it's like I, I, that's the only thing they had, though, right, is just to remove like there's no other tool for steam to really take. They can't read. They don't have a system for like saying there's questionable anything. They, yeah. they could have deleted all the reviews. But then you, you, like but then you, you have said, no trust or confidence in that. You developer. have no trust. or oh, Exactly. And so it's yeah. like might as well just hit the delete button and. Yeah, you just, I didn't even think about the res- resume thing. I was like, how would I describe that? I guess I would say I worked on this game and then hope. Dude, I, I wouldn't even put it on my resume. Mm. I'd say I went on a holiday for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been for two years? Sabbatical, man. Sabbatical, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on a mission. Um... <laughs> exactly, man. I was in China on a mission. We're good. Yeah, it's oh, sad. Dude, no, it is absolutely sad. I mean, and, and here's the interesting thing. I mean, what... I, I would have done the exact same thing that Steam did, but yeah, 
I, I wonder what kind of internal policies they have around this, because let's say a developer kind of wrongly does it with one game, a couple of fake reviews. Is that in and of itself enough to completely ban a developer from Steam? But or like in this case, it's with multiple games and tons of employees. Like, where is the the I guess the level at which Valve is comfortable enough to kind of ban a developer entirely from Steam? Because it's a big deal. It, it would mean yeah. that your like your company is screwed. You have to reincorporate it. Maybe Valve sees your name. Like Phoenix Company is a thing. Like Valve is going to see your name as the CEO of another company, and they'll be like, "Well, we're not comfortable with you." Um, joining Valve or joining Steam now either. So that CEO could be tainted forever because of yes. this. And it could also be the situation where we've seen it with asset flip games on Steam um, when those get banned and stuff where the company just remakes another, you yeah. know, LLC or whatever. And so you're like, wait a minute. Are we, so technically we're not really banning the company. We're banning that s- the person because yeah. if you find his name somewhere else or her name, and then you're like, oh shit, we don't trust them. You just have to keep banning them, <laughs> just as they as they remake new names yeah. for the company. It's a it's a, it sucks also because no matter what now, um, that draws like a, a, a focus and attention onto those particular things. Which I think with some developers, they just want to make a game, and uh, and and get it out on Steam. And mm. now you have this extra. I, I don't mind extra focus on those. I just. The negativity, it's already negative enough, I guess. It's like the CEO fucked it up again for multiple people. You know, not only his people that work for him, but sort of the smaller groups that release maybe a game that's not the greatest. You instantly question every review now. Just, oh, they were, you know, they were obviously paid by the company to, you know, to release it. It just sort of sucks. And it's a tough situation because on one hand, you want their user reviews on there to be legitimate. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, you, you need to be able to have user reviews that are really accessible, and that anyone that uses Steam can be, can actually do a user review. So that kind of yeah. flexibility and simplicity and ease of doing a user review—that's exactly what's bitten Valve in the first place. Yeah, yeah for you know sure. What I mean, because yeah. it was so easy yeah. for that company to say, you know what, everyone do a fake review. Whereas, and, and this is why I, I want Steam to push the the critic reviews. Like, what what, what do they call people like Total Biscuit? Um, curator. I, I have one as well. Yeah, and curators. you have one as well. I think Maddie well, may. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, it'll be even better to, I, I think personally, push the, curia- the curator review, sorry, and even yeah. in, you know, companies like IGN and stuff that I think are curators anyways, push those scores. I think I, I think place them on a little, uh, a different pedestal than simple user mm. reviews. Not because user reviews are always going to be illegitimate. I'm not saying that, but you know review bombing is a thing this is now a thing yeah. i mean it's 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 tough when you look at a game that people say that's really bad or that's really good and it's just completely different you're like well what the hell just happened you know yeah yeah that is true yeah i i think the system like you can't win so you have to sort of find some middle ground but i think that right now the one that they've chosen um over time just continues to bite them a little bit i don't know what they can do the curator thing definitely does help. Um, I don't use it as much as I should. I always forget, but yeah. it's it's the, and and the reason why I forget is because it doesn't matter anymore than a normal. <laughs> so and I thought so they were going to so make changes. I, I guess if it they were and they do something weird, I can't remember where like they supposedly show them easier. But of course, if you sign in as a curator, you don't see like a, a non curator does. So you know mm. it's hard to even know where you lay, but. Yeah, it's just that Steam's having a lot of like, it's not even growth pains. I don't know what you'd call it, but like they're having a lot of little issues where when it was smaller, 
thinks you can get away with it. And then yeah. as the it's, steam is the thing has been for many years, we just continually see these like the review bombing because people are mad that a translation isn't done or something. You're like, well, wait, yeah, but are you reviewing the game at all? Or content like, is cut, you- or it's just, you know, it's another agenda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult to sort of parse out. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can parse it out. I just think that uh, Steam just also needs more people and, <laughs> like and YouTube. Here's the thing. I mean, when looking at review bombing, I really like the graphs that they put in, so you could kind of like determine. Mm-hmm. All right, very clearly at this time or from this date range, there was a review bomb, but that's yeah. not taken into account in the overall score. So when you right. let's say I'm going to Google Fallout Four, for instance. When you when you see the score on you can see it on Google search results that overall score will include any review bombing and the only yeah. way to exclude review bombing is to go down to the graphs pick a specific date not everyone's going to do that not everyone's going to like everyone's going to look at that overall score and say all right is that good or bad all right move on that that's how yep. simple it's going to be um and it, it's a really complex issue because like how do you always determine something's a review bombing or not i remember um the movie Black Panther is out this weekend, right? And there was kind of going to be a concentrated movement of fans to downvote that on Rotten Tomatoes for whatever reason. Like, they had a certain reason for their view. And the Metacritic was like, okay, we are going to ensure that that doesn't happen. And then when I said, oh, look how great the reviews for Black Panther is, everyone, you have no no idea, Carrick, how many people tweeted at me, oh, alone. It's just because they got rid of all negative reviews. What are, you, what are you talking about? That was just in, in terms of user reviews if there was going to be like this big groundswell of negativity for like an unjustifiable reason. And, and that's a problem because now what that's doing, similar yeah. with Steam, it's causing a breach of confidence in the system. Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. No, but I, no, yeah. It, 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 that's, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, and that is the thing is uh, that once that gets out, that the, the com- lack of confidence just stays forever. Yeah. Like forever. It's it, it, you, because somebody will always bring it up. You can have 10 people talking and being like, hey, man, we're going to go see this. And one person will be like, yeah, but did you hear about this? And at least three people who originally were yeah. for something will be like, oh, well, I didn't know that. And you're like, but go check if it's right. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, if I say that if you pay me a thousand dollars, I will cure all your cancer. It's not 100 percent sure. Yeah. Like there it, it is weird that they, that some people would just be like, it's on my tweet. Must be real. Twitter showed it to <laughs> it's me. It's on the internet. It's, it's on the internet. It must be real. You're like, okay, man, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's just a really weird system with all review. I think all review systems um, are having this. Even my own, anybody's, or not my own, but worded ones. Hmm. It doesn't matter if it's worded, if it's numbered, whatever. They're always um, susceptible to this kind of, like, um, this kind of misuse, whether it be internally in the company yeah. or externally from people. and. Hmm. You just sort of have to understand context. Yeah. I don't think people want to. I think a lot of people don't want to. They don't want to look at why somebody gave something a 77. They just no, want to see a score. They just want to see a score. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's a different topic entirely. But um, <laughs> we, we, can, we can move on from that. The next piece of news, which was a big surprise. Everyone was like, what the hell just happened? Um, THQ Nordic bought Kosh Media for £121 million. Or euros. I don't know what that symbol is. I think it's euros. And that means that THQ Nordic, this kind of re- revived THQ, now owns, what is it? Uh, Saints Deep Row. Deep Silver. Deep Silver, Saints right? Row. Which Deep is Silver, a publisher yeah. behind Metro. You know, Metro Exodus mm-hmm. is coming out. Kingdom uh, Come Deliverance. Kingdom Come De- Deliverance. Dead Island. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, like, 
Metro, what were you like saying before, uh, Carrick? It's gone full circle now, hasn't it? Yeah, because the, because they because they originally sold uh, Saints Row, and to see it just sort of come back is like, wait, what the fuck's happening? And like I told you, I I I mean, and this is my fault, but I I thought they were much smaller. So when I saw the purchase, I thought the person had messed up the tagline. Yeah, like I was. Uh, you mean it's the other way around, right? Because Deep Silver to me has been doing fair. I I don't mean their games have been doing well, but they've been. They've I've been even doing, talked about this yeah. in podcast. Yeah, they've been releasing a couple, right? So yeah. you're just like, they must be bigger than THQ. What does that even, what does THQ Nordic even mean? Like, yeah. who who is that? And then you find out that, you know, I think it was $150 million. The question that I have for you is, does $150 million seem freakishly small? It does, yeah. I was like, like, this is deep silver. We're talking, like, they have some big, big it's, games. Yeah, yeah. And Metro is, I mean, looking to be. Is it looking to I be mean, one look- of the. Best games this year, one of the biggest games, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, Carrick. Like I think everyone was seeing that improvement of Deep Silver over time. Like their public relations is really good, their community management's really good. They were doing pretty well as a company, and obviously, you know, it's over a hundred million euros. Like, it's nothing to scoff at. Uh, you, yeah, you, right. You said it's 150 million US, correct? Yeah, or something right. around. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. that's nothing to scoff at. But yeah. they do have. Literally, Saints Row, Dead Island, Metro. Those are massive games. Like those are fully fledged AAA games. Plus all the other stuff. Like uh, what's the Blob that they were mentioning as well? The the Blob. You no, mean sorry, the, like, the Blob was THQ Nordic. Sorry, I, that was a mistake. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, oh, but, oh, they did. Ho- they have a Revolution, a uh, Homefront now. I would assume the Homefront series as well. Yeah. Deep Silver. Um, you know, I mean, it, they they've had some stinkers. They've had some mediocre and some good games. So. The thing that's weird to me, though, is just so many titles. I never thought 150 million would be enough. Like, yeah. it's just, I mean, a dead island didn't maybe set the world on fire, but it's it's been on the 360. Then it had a sequel. Then it had a remake. It had the PC version. And then yeah. they showed trailers for the second um, for for a sequel. So that obviously has some interest around it. I guess 150 million just seems small for some reason. I don't no, know why. It, does, yeah. it just seems like such a small amount. And plus, you know, it's all the everything else that they own. It's all the employees. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, you're right. I, I think it did seem a little bit small. But what do we think about this? Like, what do we think about THQ Nordic owning all of these great games? Like, you know, I, I love Metro. I, I I just don't know how. Like, Deep Silver was doing such a great job with Metro. I don't know how this is going to change if at all like I, I assume there's nothing changing for metro exodus but moving forward i don't know what What do you think it feels to me like there's a higher chance of saints row which i know a lot of people don't like and agents of mediocre or whatever the fuck that game was agents of, agents uh, of mayhem is it- mayhem i always call it agents <laughs> of mediocre so i forget the title now but that game you know it, it was i mean man and so i want to see a saints row so to me this excites me to maybe see them say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to do a Saints Row again because I think GTA 5, Mafia 3, a lot of these games, uh, GTA 5 has its own issues with being super expensive for people to do the online and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't seen a, a new game from them. You got Red Dead coming out, but I would love to see a Saints Row. I think there's a, a space for that. Um, I It's just, I think Metro is their big, I mean, it's it's a confusing purchase because it's uh they're they're not like the biggest sales games in the world but no, there's a not. lot of them 
and Deep Silver is, it feels to me personally, I don't know about you, but every time I turn on a game, I swear to fuck, I see Deep Silver. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't, you're right. Yeah. So it's like every time I turn on a game, I'm all, oh, it's Deep Silver. Oh, that's also, okay, that's Deep Silver. Okay, that's also Deep Silver. And I'm like, well, shit, man. They, like, they're, they're sort of prominent. It doesn't mean they're great. It just, uh, but, was they, a, but they're popping up everywhere. And, and just for um, clarity, I did pull up the games that they have. So um, they also have Shenmue 3. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Um, so Kingdom Shit. Come Deliverance, uh, yeah, Shenmue, Dream 4 Chapters, Shin Megami Tensai, Mighty Number no. 9, they did that, uh, Homefront, as you said, <laughs> they did Right to Hell, that's, that's something we can Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was only 150 million. <laughs> um, they did Stalker, but I, maybe that was just a publishing deal, I don't think they own it. Um, but, yeah, like, they've been popping up everywhere, and... I don't know how I feel about. I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about this. I I think maybe they also take smaller games, right? They like, do, is there any yeah. smaller game list? Okay. Um, Dakar eighteen is, is something that's listed here. Um, yeah. I guess Mighty Number no. Nine was a smaller game. It was kickstarted. Um, Sacred three, whatever that is. Oh, um, dude, Sacred. Yeah. No shit. Oh, yeah. okay. Sacred's uh, Diablo clone, I guess you'd call it. Sacred um, two and three were actually considered no. by a lot of people to be really fun games. So no, it's, it's interesting because like I don't know how many of these games Deep Silver just publishes or also owns the rights right. to as well. I I know that Deep Silver did just a lot of straight out publishing deals. Um, yeah, but yeah, like it, on one on one side of it, it is good. Like it is good that a company like it is Kosh Media, and then through that Deep Silver. But it is good that they were able to secure their future. I mean, yeah. the CEO is just laughing now. I think uh, she's just going to be like, yep, I'm, I'm pretty much like, I'll work with this company for a little bit, but my future is secured. Um, but also like, and that's the reason I, I do like acquisitions in that sense. Let's say that CEO was looking to to wrap up her boot, like hang up her boots rather. Um Knowing that she secured the future of the company and the employees, yeah, right. and then threw that their families, like that is always a good thing. Like you never want a CEO that just kind of leaves the company um, to to fend swinging for in the wind, exactly. Yeah, so, and now that you have THQ Nordic backing it up with their finances and their resources, I, I think for the future of the of the of the publisher, it is a good thing in the end. I just don't know. Like I'm a bit not worried, but just curious as to what changes are going to be made to deep silver and how will that affect their games yeah and i'm looking at thq nordic so mm. they've uh, oh holy shit okay they so they bought don't they yeah and they bought all of joe wood which includes gothic um it includes aquinox which i would love to see a sequel for yeah then they got then they bought Dreamcatcher. so holy shit so then they bought all the thq stuff nova logic they got 1600 people that's a that's a big studio that is, they did Rad Rogers, which is a little uh, indie game coming out, which is actually not bad. Yeah, they, nah. hmm. It's just, yeah, I, it's almost like when you get the, it, and, and I guess it's not almost like it really is this, but you get two or three B-tier publishers. And we've mm. talked about Deep Silver in the past being B-tier, but sort of prominent and doing a lot of things. You see them at events, for example. Like, I don't know about you, but like when even going to a PAX or an E3, they're all, you know, there's a Deep Silver person yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's that that situation where you find out it's like the, the two B level people are coming together. And I don't know what it really means. I mean, I think for 
I mean, for Metro, they're probably not touching any. I mean, I would assume oh, no, I, they're I just like wrapped up, yeah. Status quo, yeah. And then Kingdom Come, I'm sure this purchase makes them happy as fuck because Kingdom Come sold fairly well. It's yeah. 500 million or 500, <laughs> 500,000. That's what I'm saying. That's the best selling game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, just beat GGA, bitches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, it's, I think it'll be more interesting to see what, and here's, and what interests me is what they'll bring. Like, yeah. what will they bring up from their old IPs? Will we get an Aquanox sequel? Because Subnautica is mm. doing really mm. well. Aquanox is also an underwater sub-shooter game. Yeah. Like, do they look at that? That would be great. No, absolutely. Um, they've, they've got so many games, THQ Nordic. Bloody hell. Um, yeah. Well, I, because you mention it, Carrick, I, I think it is a good segue to talk about Kingdom Come Deliverance. And and especially what this might mean for THQ Nordic. Um, yeah, no sh- So... How is the game? I haven't played it personally, obviously. Um, how is it? Do you think it's lived up to expectations? I know, I've seen news about there being bugs and issues, especially with the same yeah. files. Um, but how is it going? Is it good? Do you think you know people got this, got their money's worth with it? Yeah, I don't know. I man, it for so I rated it a, a wait, but only mostly because of the bugs and yeah. you know some of the. It, it is a little bit more cumbersome. I, I think it is good, and I think that a lot of people feel like they got their money's worth, but I think at the same time, especially you know where you randomly see people talk about it, I think a lot of people also then like are a little bothered by those bugs because they're pretty egregious they're yeah. not really they're not really this they're not really i guess for example, and I heard somebody say, well, it's not any buggier than Skyrim, and my comment to that was, do we really want to say that we are happy? that a game released today is as buggy as a game released four or five years ago and yeah. has twice as many interactables because almost nothing in kingdom come is interactive. Hmm. Uh, in fact, nothing in kingdom come really is interactive unless it's something you can put in an inventory. So for example, in Skyrim, you walk in shit's bouncing everywhere. We've seen the physics bugs. Uh, like if you've yeah. ever walked into a room and like the broom is fucking bouncing, you know, cause some physics issue happened, but yeah. it's all interactive. Okay. It's all stuff you can grab and throw and move around. There's none of that in Kingdom Come Deliverance. Um, also, Kingdom Come Deliverance is empty, completely. I mean, almost completely empty, devoid of life. So you, your towns are filled, but if you walk out, you'll see maybe one trader total walking. You'll see the occasional guy walking. You'll see a deer sometimes. So mm. you've got to go into it with a different thought process. And I think a lot of people did. And I think that that's the best part, is that those guys were like, okay, listen, it isn't Skyrim. Yeah. It looks a little like Skyrim or Oblivion, but trust me, you're not going to have 8,000 bears fighting off a fucking troll. And in fact, you're going to have nothing. You're you're not going to have a lot of wildlife at all. And yeah. I so I think a lot of people felt that they got their money's worth. But the bugs, dude, the bugs are so weird because... Are they game-breaking? And- I guess because you, you were mentioning Skyrim before, and I don't know what Skyrim was at launch anyways. But right. a lot of the bugs that are still there to this day, they're not game breaking. And like people joke about Bethesda games being buggy, but like if they're not game breaking and they're only like, oh, the ragdoll physics are a bit off here or whatever it is. Sure. Then I know a lot of people will tolerate it for that. So is Kingdom Come just like minor glitches or are there some very severe ones that are actually putting people off the game? Oh, there's some very severe ones. There's a, there's one in particular where um, if you can go on a quest and the guy will be like, hey, man, um, I've got a horse. You don't you know, bitch, like you're going to have to run <laughs> and you can say, well, no, I want a horse. And yeah. if you do, he'll give you one. But if you don't, 
he thinks you have one and you'll fail a quest later on because he'll be like, go chase that guy. And you're on your foot going, what the fuck? I can't get to it. Or you have the ability to fail. One of the discord people had 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 that failure happen. So there's some bugs. Um, Another person I talked to was walking in a village and just died. Just and so to me, that's game breaking. There was no health, you know, elements. Most likely what happened was he had a texture that was or uh, sorry, a part of the nav mesh was out of order and he fell maybe through the fell enough or into something and and it killed him. We've seen that in some games. I was playing Dead Space the other day and that happened. (laughs) Yeah. And Kingdom Come has a lot of those like steps. I have it in my video where there's multiple steps and multiple castles where you can't get over the top step. You have to leap over it because it's it's glitched for everybody. That's something that they're fixing. So I think that there are some game breaking. I think that there's not as many as other, you know, crappy Mm. titles. But what is interesting to me is what people will deal with. I think that's a psychological thing that always interests me. It's like somebody will say, well, Mafia 3 is too glitchy for me to buy. But they'll be like, I'm going to buy Kingdom Come. Yeah. And I'll be all, wait. You know, like, I want to know why one is acceptable. Mm. Is it because one's kickstarted? Which I do believe. I I really do believe that that does impact your purchase decision. I I think when a game is kickstarted and you've kind of like, you're, you're wanting to see it succeed because you're putting money into it so early. There is a, a different threshold in terms of, or, or tolerance level, I guess, in terms of dealing with bugs and glitches and stuff like that. Like, and, yeah. and we'll talk about this later on, but um, System Shock, for instance, is in a Kickstarter. Like, I, I've kickstarted that, and I will, like, I'll, I'll, whenever that game comes out, if there are issues with it, I'll be like, you know what? They're going to fix this. It, it's fine. Like, I want to see that game succeed. And it's a, it's a little different when you're dealing with, like, a maybe a fuller priced game that you just expect to right. to run well. I, I, I think there is that little bit of a different dynamic. Out of curiosity, how much did, uh, money did this game run on Kickstarter or raise on it's, Kickstarter? Oh, I think it was 1.3 million. So it was it was pretty right. substantial, but I'm, I'm still assuming that they were getting funding elsewhere because that's not enough. Yeah, and I think that... Um, Kickstarter. I think also, and just so that anybody doesn't mistake what i'm saying i um i gave it a weight which actually is not a bad rating at all that's actually a good rating it just means that yeah. there's oh they only did 1.1 million so oh it's that, definitely it does, not enough yeah yeah so um it uh i just want to make sure somebody doesn't think i'm like this not because there's uh, there's so many elements to like but here's the crazy thing many of the bugs um so they're bugs and not stoppers which if you understand like qa or testing a stopper would mean we can't certify this on the xbox yeah we literally can't we're stopped so they don't have those, which is great, or at least, you know, we haven't really run into them, but they do have a lot of the weird bugs like dying randomly or, mm. you know, but the thing is, it's a bug, right? So you could play it for a year. I could play it for a year. And <laughs> yeah, if we yeah. both recorded, we would have different bugs. Absolutely. So, so I've had people say I, and, and they're watching, they're like, I don't have any bugs. And I totally 100% believe them. And then somebody else will say, I have a bunch. But to me, what it indicates is this is a game that is looking at a certain focus, sword hand-to-hand, right? Uh, realistic world, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, some of their bugs impact the very gameplay dynamics they're trying to say are unique. And when that happens, then you do have to go, okay, should this be 60 bucks? Because, or or should it had, if it had three weeks, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. The reason why I say that is because even the lead dev this morning said, we've decided in two weeks we're going to release a big patch. And I'm like, well, if you waited three weeks... Hmm. You could have released it to Kickstarters or something and just been like, only Kickstarters get this. Yeah. Um, 
I, I still and, guarantee and, you, though, even after that big patch, the game's still going to have issues. Like it for sure would. I had headless people all over in my game. Yeah, like just yeah. I, I have it in the video. Like, but that's a, that's a game feature. It's just like Harry Potter headless snake. <laughs> it was funny. It was. I thought it was funny. You know, Chuck Norris is your dad, which is awesome. When you look at your your dad in this game, it's. I swear to shit, it's Chuck Norris, or they modeled him uh, up it. But um, it's got so many great features. To me, the reason why I would like three weeks is so that we didn't get bogged down in this discussion. Yeah. That's the problem is we continue to see it, dude. Mafia three with three weeks have at least alleviated yeah. some of this shit. Um, I it, it's starting to bother me where we're getting these games where it's like every single time it's. And remember, this is a game that had a 23 gig day one patch. That's massive, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah, it's uh, I mean. It's I I really enjoyed a lot of elements of it. I think that you know sixty bucks though. You it, it depends on if you have the money, right? Like you and I, I I have a different thought process than like somebody who's well off, and I have a patron who's well off, and he'll and he was like, hey, it's got bugs. I'm gonna buy it because he thought that was funny. <laughs> and I'm all, and I'm like, wait a minute, okay, yeah. I was all, man, dude. To me, that's sick. I mean, that's that's a lot of money to just put down on a couple bugs. And he's like, no, nah, it'll be fun. So. Yeah. Some people, we, we just have different monetary levels too. So Absolutely. And, and that's why, and this is kind of like moving to your review, I guess, mentality, Carrick. That's why I really appreciate that you actually buy the full game because oh, like with, without a doubt, and I'm going to admit this, whenever I get it, like for, for instance, Assassin's Creed, I got that from Ubisoft because I was streaming mm. it. Because I didn't uh, pay for it, I was absolutely more tolerant of the frame rate issues mm. whatever the the cause of those were was it the drm was it something else i don't know but on my old pc like that game would tank even with a lot of the different um assets turned right. out to normal or medium or whatever it is the frame rate in that game was really really inconsistent especially in in towns um and then i got a new pc and that fixed it to an extent like even on my really good t- yeah. gtx yeah. 1080 ti <laughs> that game would yeah. still drop like in, in towns but um, because I didn't actually pay for it, I was definitely much more tolerant. But when you are putting down $60 for a game or whatever the the amount is, and those issues crop up, you always think, damn, like, I wanted this to run yeah. well. Like, my, my other option was this game, and maybe that would have been a better experience. I mean... It's it's tough and and again that's that, that's why I like your review mentality that you you always purchase a game so when your review does come out it's just different like you treat I think subconsciously you treat bugs and glitches different than if you know you didn't spend mon- any money it was a review code or whatever it was yeah I mean and did you realize we're both wearing the same shirt did you do I that did. on purpose fucking, no I didn't though uh, that's awesome just so everybody knows <laughs> um, mine's Adidas so, oh yours is a- so is mine. Uh, we actually both wearing the same Adidas. I'm except you have a, I have a, a hoodie. hoodie and it's I different. Don't. That's fucking. That's it's, hilarious. It's, <laughs> I just noticed it. Um, yeah. When I think that it is subconscious, and I think that I what I did, especially when I created the review systems, I was like, I just don't want to have to deal with it at all. Whether I don't want to have to second guess even myself, I'm just going to buy it, and that way, I'm like, yeah. It, I did spend money on it and it does feel different. I mean, I think we've all, I mean, you hear about it. It's even part of morality plays where somebody says, you know, free things are treated differently than things you work for. Absolutely. And so to me that it's, so to me, it's a big deal. And I think that also maybe with Kickstarter and I haven't checked the price, if kingdom come deliverance, because you kickstarted, it was only $40. Hmm. Then maybe 
your mentality is a little different as well as just being a Kickstarter where I think Kickstarter is a little bit more communal. You know, people are like, you know, it would not get made. This is what they think. It would not get made otherwise. So celebrate what got made versus Mm. what didn't get made. And I think that there's nothing invalid about that. That's it's not my thought process, but I absolutely can see why somebody else would think that. And and, and I'm cool with it. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So um, with Kingdom Come, will you get it, or is that not at all like nah. your? Like here's I, I remember actually having this discussion with someone in the Discord. I would I would need to play something like Witcher Three before this, and even though they're not like mm. I know they're not like similar similar games, but they're no, overall but... the same theme, and you know like mm-hmm. I, I still view them in the kind of the same ilk. And the fact yeah. that I haven't played Witcher Three, like I need to play that first before I play that, and even I'm trying to play Skyrim on the Switch, man. It just I don't know what it is, Carrick, and I tweeted Whoa, out, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't oh, you be talking bad no, about no, this guy. No, I'm, I'm not talking bad. I'm not talking bad. But <laughs> I, I tweeted out about this the other day. I think I'm having an internal issue with playing very long games nowadays. Because whenever I am oh. putting in 50 hours or 100 hours into something like Skyrim, I'm I'm always keeping you know aware at the back of my mind, oh, I, I could be playing another game. Like I'm spending so much time on this one game. What else am I missing out on? And because of that mentality, I've swapped completely to playing much shorter games, like 15, sure. 20, 25 hour games. Rabbids so whenever a big game, Rabbids, yeah. But to be fair, I love that so much I put in 50 hours anyways. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um, whenever, whenever a game like Kingdom Come Deliverance comes out that is just so overwhelming in its you know, scope, I'm assuming it's like a 40, 50 hour game, whatever it is. Yeah, e- easily 40. Easily, Probably yeah. if you just did the main story and were pretty quick, you could get about 35, but yeah. 45 is more. And that's overwhelming to me. Like, especially because I don't have much time nowadays in between streaming and, and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff and work. Sometimes I just want to play, like I'm happy to play a short game and then move on to something else. Like this weekend I'm playing Hellblade, for instance, six hour game. Then Good I can say I played another game and then I move on to something yeah. else. Instead of like, I remember when I was playing Assassin's Creed Origins over stream, I only put 30 hours into it, but we had like, we had to take a break of playing Assassin's Creed because it was so overwhelming. Like people thought, oh, we, we're seeing Assassin's Creed again. So we played Cuphead, then we went back to Assassin's Creed. And that was sure. only a 30-hour game. Um, so yeah, like, I'm always really conscious of the games that I play and the length of them. And I am straying away from longer games. And something like Rabbids is different. I put 50 hours into it, but it's, it's really a 20-hour game. Um, yeah, right, uh, yeah right. unless you want 100% it, then it takes that long. Same with Super Mario Odyssey. I put 50 hours into that, but it's really a 20, 25-hour game. So. Yeah, I, I think that also is what confuses people on reviews a lot of times uh, because they um, – or – well, and I'll, I will say this. I believe a lot of developers lie through their yeah. – I mean openly lie and say this game's 100 hours. What they really mean is if you walk back and forth parallel – do all across the, fetch the game quests, world, yeah. <laughs> and do all the fetch quests and talk to every person in every line of dialogue. Yeah. It would be that. And then you get these people going, it's only, I fucking beat it in 15. What the hell? <laughs> and, and I get both sides. I get the developer saying, well, this is all the content. And I get what I like is some developers lately have been saying, well, if you, you know, sort of rebound off of things and play it reactionary, just a normal game play, it's going to be this many hours. But yep. if you do all of it, it'll be this many. I like that with you and Skyrim though. Here's what's weird and why I would actually agree with you, even though I like Skyrim and and I know you do. I I see what you were saying now. Skyrim is an older game. Yeah. And there comes a point where your brain is like, if I play, I I like this game, but if I play it, 
I could technically be experiencing this other game yeah. that I haven't seen or played before um, that hasn't been released a couple times or what have you. And it's a new experience. So your bra- it's, it's quite easy for a person's brain to be like, hmm, you yeah. know, why don't I go play that? And I, I totally get you. I mean, I totally understand. Do you think you'll have you ever beat Skyrim? No, I haven't. And I think now I've put like, I think overall with all of my play sessions, I, I think we're talking about <laughs> 40, 50 Thousands hours of Skyrim. Oh, okay. like it's not, no, like nothing crazy like that, right. but I've never finished it. Um, gotcha. And I was going to take the Switch opportunity. Here's, here's what happened. Skyrim came out on the Switch. I'm like, I'm just going to play this and nothing else. Then LA yeah. Noir came out and I'm like, oh, this game looks right. fucking awesome. And ah, Carrick. LA Noir. Dude, I'm telling you, is it not? It was is it gr- not it a was fantastic great. fucking experience? It was great. Like, issues with the, the Switch port, and I know we're changing topic. Sure. The shadows the shadows on the Switch, man, killed me. Uh-huh. Killed me. Oh, that were, game. Are they are they dithered like they're dots? Oh, or they're, are they... they're like big squares. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's not what I was saying. And, and the problem is, is that when you're playing L.A. Noir and you're investigating a body, you're zooming in right <laughs> up onto that shit. <laughs> right. And it's, right, it's right. really noticeable. Like, I'm not a, 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 a mark or whatever it is with shadows in games. In fact, I'm happy yeah. to, to play a game with low shadows, so long as it looks okay. But this was like... There needs like low was the highest, and there needs to be a different scale with this LA Noir Switch version. But whatever. That aside, though, really, really good game. I really enjoyed it. Love the the theme, the music. Just oh, the music. When whenever you like, you were talking about this character, and it never really clicked with me until I played it. Like when you uh, walk past a clue, and when you yeah. discover all the clues, it's just it's beautiful, man. It's such a great yeah. game, and the story is like the way. The store, I loved it because you had in, like independent quests, or I say quests, but let's say missions mm-hmm. or cases throughout the game. But you you had this one continuous plot point that kept right. bringing itself up in the newspapers, and then in the final set of missions or cases, it all brought itself together. I thought that was done really, really well. I loved it. So how did? So uh, yeah, I mean, I can't talk. I know La Noire's got many issues, but I can't yeah. talk like positively enough about its experience as a whole. Absolutely. And um, when you were playing it, I don't know about you, but so to me, it was a little like X Files, where X Files has a myth- they call it the mythology um, uh, episodes, which are your main yeah, story yeah, and yeah. side episodes. So that's a little like La Noire. But here's the thing to me that I enjoyed so much, man. It. The the facial tech animation, I get that it still looks goofy now after so many years. It's it's a little worse, uh, but it didn't even matter if I got it wrong. It yeah. was the fucking it was the little things that they would do. And yeah. your brain is like, is are they lying? And if you care, which I do, I would sit there and go, um, eh, mm, and mm. I rarely do that. Usually I'm like, fuck it. A yeah. and, I, you know, I just I won't even stress it. Dead that away. game had me stressing shit. You know? Dude, I, and and sometimes like with some characters, you could easily tell that they were lying. But with others, like that would answer some a question, and it's maybe it's just like a, a slight darting away of the eyes that that's that's the thing that indicates that they're lying. Because some of the times that because on, on the switch it's good cop bad cop, right? Um, yeah, not doubt or whatever it was. So sometimes okay. I'm like, all right, I I genuinely think this person is telling the truth, and then it's no, you had to do the bad cop. I'm like, really, like. Yeah. It looked so genuine. I, I, I wanted to believe this person. Do you know how I failed on all the time? And I played this three times and I still failed this last time because <laughs> I couldn't remember. It's the chick in the jewelry store at the starting 
Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. in the first, I, I don't know what it was about. And maybe this just indicates that, you know, every, every chick I've ever dated could lie to me without, <laughs> with reckless abandon, <laughs> but she, she would be talking and I would look at her and she would do the eye thing. And so my brain would be like lying and then I'd hit it and they'd be like, you know, they give you the audio feedback, whatever it sounds like. You're like, are you kidding me? And then you'd pick the other one and you can't go back and look. So you can't like, you can't stick on one thing and go, this is for sure always their tell, but it, it might be their tell. And to me, that was that's probably the greatest things about uh, the greatest thing about L.A. Noir. And then I have to ask you a question that will define you as a human to me. Who's your favorite partner in the game? Because. And you don't have to name names if you can't remember. That's fine. But I, is there I, a I, particular I, I can't partner remember the names. Love? All right. Really love the first partner. I thought he was just. It was so it, there was Rusty. So, OK, um, I don't think I liked Rusty. I thought Rusty in okay. the end was a bit of a dick. Um, the first partner I, I, I enjoyed because he was funny and quirky and like, there was this one scene where he's like, yo, Cole, can I punch this guy? Like, it was just funny yeah. like that. Hated the third guy. Favorite was definitely the last partner. And the, and the real- So Herschel Biggs. Herschel, Herschel. That was it. Who you liked, yeah. Because the reason why is like, he, like, I don't want to give spoilers, but at this point, pretty much Cole is, is discredited, right? Yeah. And Herschel right. is someone that- um, is the sole uh, investigator, doesn't really work with people, and you're just chucked with him. Or I should say he's chucked with you. Um, and the way that their relationship builds and how he kind of take Cole, takes Cole on and protects him from people, you know, saying things about him. And they they just melt together in the end. Like, I, I yeah. really, really like that dynamic. He was undoubtedly my favorite character. My favorite partner, that's, I should say. That's very cool because there was Ralph uh, was patrol. He started it. Stephen yep. Bukowski, Rusty Galloway, Roy Earl was vice. And then Roy Herschel was, yeah. was the last one. Fucking hated and Roy. It's, <laughs> and you also, it sounds like, hated Rusty, which I also hated. Yep. And what was, what was weird about uh, this, and so if anybody gets a chance, you should go and check this game out because it's not expensive. Yeah. And it, it's not. And, it's, and uh, it's just, it's like bully. It's something you should at least fucking experience. But those partners changed my entire feeling of the way characters should be done. And the reason why is because yeah. normally a game has a specific arc where it's like, you're a jackass until you prove yourself. Mm. This game was like, no, bitch. We're, there's gonna be multiple times where you're a, you're like proved yourself and yep. somebody's like i got you and then the next time they're like you know i fucking hate you and then people hate you because you're good yeah and then people hate you because you fail and your your brain is always on um it's on alert for new narrative from Dude, these parts so many roller coasters in that game like you could be smashing out every case and you're like yeah, yeah everyone loves me and you fuck up once and then the chief is yeah. just like Cole, what the fuck? The man? Irish chief? Oh, I, I, you better start getting me heads, boy. And I, <laughs> I, I just felt so disappointed in myself because I chose the wrong, wrong character. Here's one thing that really pissed me off. There was this one um, case where you had to, you know those cases where you have to charge one person over the other person? Yes, There hard. was this one case where I knew this guy was guilty and the game glitched and didn't let me charge that guy, oh. and I had to charge the other guy, and I knew it was wrong, and I got blasted for it by the chief. It was the worst thing in the world. <laughs> and he blasts you, too. Oh, he, he it's, demotes it's, you and everything. Yeah. yeah, and are we talking about the guy with the nose like this big? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like fucking, he turns to the side, and you're all, that's a wind sail, but he... <laughs> 
he, I love that actor in real life, by uh, the way. He's an amazing actor. And and he with that first time you fuck up. Oh. And I had played this multiple times and I was on my Xbox X, uh, the, the, the X, I think. And I was playing and that fuck I walk out and you're like, you know, da, 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 you've come to the end of your questions. You didn't do well enough. You have to go out and then come back in. I go out and he's like, you better start. I can't remember what he says. He's like, you better start getting me heads, boy, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, sir. You know, like, Sorry, man. You know, like That's my brain brilliant. was like, he's really mad. You yeah. know, and just, yeah. just all I, the subtle details of that game, like, for instance, when you're making phone calls and there are these random blue police boxes in the streets, I'm like, surely that's just a game thing, right? And I Googled it and I, they were real. Like, in, yeah, in, those in, are absolutely real. Like, there were blue police boxes that only policemen and policewomen could use back then that you could call dispatch and, and, and do whatever you needed because there were no mobiles. Yeah. And, and police needed a readily accessible way to be able to make calls and, and all that. I thought that was the neatest I, and I never used the word fucking neat, but that was so neat. I, I absolutely <laughs> love that, man. Did and, you did you enjoy the pace of the game? It sounds like you did because the pace is slower than I think any no, other it was slower. Uh, yeah. game of them. But I, I that, to me, that was the best part. I, I think at times I thought it was dragging on a little bit, but I don't know whether gotcha. that was because of the game or because I wanted to move on to something else. So I'm not okay. criticizing the game too much in that regard. Um, but I really do like, like, here's the thing especially because I'm playing this on my way to work, I really like how you could do one mission and then set it aside the game, fucking do whatever you need, and then you come right. back to it and you don't feel lost or out of it. I think the game right. does a really good job in allowing you to play like one case, finish it, and then you can walk away for it. Sometimes at a week at a time, I wouldn't play this game and jump back in and it'll be awesome. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I really did like that. And again, like... This is kind of similar to to TV crime shows where you, you've got your um, I, I'll call it Law and Order. Law and Order are usually independent, individual uh, episodes where there is no right. continuing plot thread. Yeah, but then there's shows like Luther, which I don't know if anyone here has watched it. I absolutely love it. They they have the times when he's dealing with individual cases, but there is this always this one continuous plot thread throughout all the episodes yeah. and all the seasons, and that's the most compelling thing. And L.A. Noir had that. They I think they executed yeah. that brilliantly. It wasn't just like you were doing a case and moving on to the next, moving on to the next, and that's it. I think that would have made the game much more bland. But the way that it all tied together in the end, I thought was beautiful. It was fucking. And awesome. what about? What about the, uh, at least to me, I, not only did I like that the, that's how they set it up, but sometimes a side character in the side, uh, yeah. quest would matter in a main quest. But to me, one of the things that sort of shocked me was I've rarely been really puzzled at a story and been like, I don't really know what's mm -hmm. happening unless it's like a Russian resident or uh, sorry, a, uh, Japanese resident evil game, you know, yeah. where I just don't understand the mythology. But with this game, the newspaper stories, yeah. the first couple, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> dude, I was legitimately yeah. like, am I supposed to fucking figure like, yeah. do I know this? And then you realize, well, of course, you know, you start to know right away. It's flashbacks, but it's yeah. like you start to realize not to be I won't destroy this for anybody. But you realize that Cole is not exactly anything as it's being represented as. Yeah. And that's when my brain I remember the first time playing that going, oh, what in one of the newspaper uh, yeah. back uh, the flashbacks and then from that point on I was just constantly listening to everything he said and it just it, it sort of creeps up until like you said yeah. at the end some shit goes down and I I, I thought that was fantastic and it was especially like especially with the like Cole's flashbacks when he was in the army I thought that that yeah. was just character building 
but yeah. it actually meant something in the end with the story. Yeah. I fucking love that. And speaking yeah. of side characters, undoubtedly my favorite side character was Elsa. The oh the, the oh, actor oh, of course yeah was amazing. So some Australian actor as well, and I don't know if she put on the accent or if it was just you know she did the mocap for it and they mm-hmm. and they put that in, but. Oh, she was the, the way like the way she would talk and her mannerisms. Like yep. she was amazing, man. I, I, I yeah, loved the, it. I I hope everybody who listens gives it a chance if you haven't, because um, yeah. there's a reason why we're talking about. Well, we 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 decided not to talk too much about Kingdom Come because Maddie will do a review. <laughs> but it um once you start talk, I just don't know how to describe it. It's one of those games that I think like if we if we were just sitting here yakking, you could talk about for a couple hours. Yeah, not spoil it. For another person in the room but still have these it, it, and it's rare you just don't see that as much anymore i guess mm. like there's something about la noir and the way everything comes together and i get it's not a, an ama- the most amazing game in the world no, it's but not. Yeah. um it's i think it's that moment when you realize there are multiple pieces that just sort of go together and mm. you can be puzzled for a little while and, and it's okay like yeah. it's not a crime to not know yeah exactly what's happening and in fact i think that game is 10 times better for not knowing yeah like and, and i will times. say as well like the subtle details in that game are brilliant and if you're a fallout fan when you jump into a mm. car and you're listening yeah. to a song that was playing in a fallout game that is the most awesome piece of nostalgia that i've ever experienced like i, I remember this one time I, and this was the first time it happened i just walked into a store and the radio was on and i'm like i recognize that song what song is that and i would just stand there for five minutes listening to it it was right it was incredible did yeah. you see the video of the um he's passed away now but the kid um in uh took his grandpa uh into the game and his grandpa grew up at that time frame uh, grandpa's passed away oh, it was no. about a year ago on reddit but the guy the guy drove him around and his grandpa was like that's these that like it was all what his memory he remembered like all these places the tar pits and that's all these amazing. He's like Dude, that's yeah, and it was crazy, and um, th- that that was actually one of the things I made a mistake. Uh, I was doing a walking the walk where I because uh. I love their ge- the the sort of the the way the game spreads out. Um, it co- you can see people have different economies in that area, you know, bad slums uh. near the train tracks, that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the things I had brought up, and he actually corrected me on, was like the Hollywood sign is fucked up, hmm. and I can't remember what it says, but it's the old name. And I was ah. like, oh, that must be a joke. And then the old guy but he was like, no, it's not a joke. That's what it said at, at this time. At blah, time. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, hey, what the fuck? Really? You know, and they took so much time. If you go and look at storefronts, hmm. holy fuck, the storefronts look real. First yeah. of all, they're really well done. But you'll see like signs racially or sexually um, like, you know, discriminatory That's back the then or, was, yeah. or now. But back then, that was the time. And you like when it'll say, you know, certain people aren't allowed here and stuff. And your brain just you're not used to seeing that uh, right now. Like yeah. it doesn't happen now. And you see it and you're like, whoa, what the hell? And the way people talk uh, about the different people and stuff like that is just it's such a good. Character and, and even piece. the way Roy, so Roy Earl was treating Elsa. And I won't say specifically, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like when that happened, yep. I was like, what the fuck? And Cole was doing nothing. Like, Cole. Yeah, exactly. Come you're on. Sitting there going, what is happening? Yeah, it was <laughs> so, so fucking well done. If Such if if people game. get a chance, man, I think it's like I don't know what it. I think it's like twenty three bucks now I think on the Switch. Actually, or and, and you know what? I think on Steam as well. There's a Steam sale going on, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's on on sale right now, even by the time that the recording gets uploaded. So yeah, yeah highly out, recommend guys. that game. It's it's amazing. Um, 
So that was a good How discussion. How the fuck did we get? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I probably started that one. No, that's that's fine. Oh, we were talking about Switch games, and <laughs> well, yeah, and, and now and now, now there's a segue. So Nintendo, as the final news topic, has teased the appealing benefits of Switch's online membership, and they say, in their words, "I think our next announcement will be worth the wait." Now, this is interesting because, Carrick, we've talked about this time and time again. Yeah. Virtual console, when is it coming, blah, 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 blah. But the f- like, and this could be something else completely different, but here's my speculation. They're talking about an online membership and saying our next announcement would be worth a wait while talking, you know, with that concept context in mind. Could virtual console, instead of being one where you just buy games outright, it's like, a me- like, like Netflix or like Xbox mm-hmm. Live's uh, system where... You're spending twenty dollars. Like I think there's still the sixteen dollars a year or whatever it is for the regular, mm-hmm. you know, Nintendo online stuff. But what if there was a, an increased cost for being able to play online and also have access to all of these virtual console games? Could that be what Nintendo was doing, or would it be something else entirely? What are your thoughts and speculation? No, that'd be that i just it sounds really bad but anytime i think something positive about nintendo they they really go out of their way to do me wrong so it's like <laughs> i'm I, I mean i, I it, when it comes to our online sorry yeah, yeah, not their yeah, yeah. but when it comes out online service so i don't know i mean i it depends on what it would cost dude because one of the things that worries me hmm. is if sony's got a subscription yeah. netflix has a subscription yeah. xbox ea and Everyone. now nintendo if it's like at some point you're all fuck man i mean each month i am buying a game you know, I am spending 60 bucks and for yeah. people who don't have a lot of money, it sort of sucks. I think with virtual console, it could be that. But did you see the leak two weeks ago where they uh, found the working GameCube emulator for the Switch? Oh, they, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So what I've wondered is would virtual console come like the classic where it comes in waves maybe and they're like, OK, virtual console NES is here. Yeah. Virtual console and SNES is here. Virtual Console, GameCube is here. The re- only reason I bring that up is because that is a Nintendo emulator. So obviously, yeah. it's just for the GameCube, no. which then makes me wonder, like, why it's not one big emulator that does all their games, um, yeah. especially because of how they do their hardware. Well, and I, think I don't know. They do have their NES or the SNES emulator already on the the Switch because I believe oh, okay. some of the games that are on the eStore are like old classic Mario games that run off. Oh, of that's that. true. I think I okay. think they do. So don't quote me on that. But I, I will say about the whole, you know, if, if they were to release NES games first and SNES, I wouldn't want that because I, I really want sixty four games. Like I, I want to mm-hmm. play Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask so bad that, and I, I think this is what they did with the Wii. I, I hope that they just bring out the best of the best first. For each of the consoles, so for SNES sure. it'll be Super Mario, um, for Zelda, for for sixty four it'll be Zelda, for you know uh, GameCube it'll be Wind Waker and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I want the best of the best to come out first, and then you know start to really go back through the old back catalog and see what you can find. Because I was on, like I was looking at the Wii U stores um, virtual console the other day. There are some right. games there that I'm like, what the hell is this? Like. Like, you find your typical Mario Karts and, and Pokemon and all that, but some weird, obscure old games that I would never think of in the first place, that maybe that I want to play, that I, I don't think they're going to be released straight away. I think it will be the heavy hitters. But I don't know, man. I just want them to start somewhere. If if we get something, I'll be happy. Cause yeah, like, 
you know, I just want something. Yeah, Yeah. I just I want to. And I it just dawned on me, I guess they probably I don't know how Goldeneye would work because of the IP. The IP is owned by is it owned by Rare and Microsoft? Yes. So it's like, fuck, do they you know, so you have to look at that because Microsoft themselves even have problems with getting IPs for their backwards compatibility. Um, I would like I'm hoping, dude that these aren't just Nintendo games. That's, I guess, what I'm saying, is my hope is is that it's th- some th- good third party, too, because yeah. most of my experience with those systems may have started with a Nintendo title, yeah. but they did not... That didn't frame the entire time with that console. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I mean, it framed a very small amount of time. I'm thinking of games like, as you said, Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, Killer Instinct. Rogue Squadron. Oh, dude, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Fuck. If that if Rogue Squadron and Conker's Bad Fur Day were on the Switch, I would <laughs> never play another game. <laughs> Conker's is such it. a good game. My yeah, God. that game is awesome. Oh man, I I just remember how delightfully violent it was uh, when playing the multiplayer on sixty four. Such a good game. And, and that's the thing is like a lot of their games were also online, yeah. uh, and it just started, or at least it had just started getting the online. I want to know how they're going to handle that. Like if there is a Golden Eye. Mm. You can't do four player split screen, which is the way it was originally set up. Like, how are you going to like, can you are you going to be able to play against somebody online, which I think is a big deal. Their yeah. multiplayer was probably the biggest deal of Goldeneye. Hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I just man, I hope they take the fucking, you know, shackles off or whatever and just, you know, like start doing some surprising new stuff because I would play it so much more. You know, it's interesting. I mean. When you said that, oh, I hope they get third-party support, I'm thinking, yeah, they probably will, Like, especially with Rare, because Rare has so many great older titles that are on, on Nintendo consoles. And then I thought, well, Microsoft, because they own Rare, they've been pretty good. I mean, Minecraft is, you know, you can play on the Switch True. with people on the PC. But then I thought, well, what, what happens to Rare Replay? Because that's doing, and Uh-oh. it's done pretty well on Xbox. Does it affect yeah, bringing games on the virtual console that are Rare-owned to the Switch? I don't know. I hope not. But it's a worry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a worry. Like that's I, I guess that's the thing is it, it you never quite know exactly what Microsoft or, or what Nintendo themselves are like going to do, how much hardship they'll go through too. Cuz like mm. Phil Spencer's talked about it with Microsoft. He's like, "Dude, we have driven across country to different fucking storage units to yeah. find the IP papers in somebody's, you know, like somebody who's defunct now." And they're like, "I think I still have the papers that say I own this IP. Let's go find them that's in the storage insane. unit." Is Nintendo, and I hope they do, you know, will they work that hard? And if they will, then I think we will see a lot of those third um, third party titles that a lot of people remember. I know I remember like it was Mother Brain. Mm. There's these are that's an old RPG, but it's like some of those older games. I mean, I love Zelda, but there was a lot of games at that time well, that maybe others, even yeah. mimicked it that were good, too. And that, that's another thing like. Nintendo seems to artificially hold back the number of titles where maybe Microsoft pushes because they don't have enough. Sony's in the middle. Nintendo's like, we'll release one game a year and we'll be happy, right? <laughs> how is this going to happen? Like, yeah. how many titles are going to be on it? That's the that's the big thing. Well, And I'm looking right now even at the Wii U Virtual Console. There's about 213 games on there. Um, and, they, like again, they have the big ones. They have Majora's Mask, Pokemon Snap, Mario Party... All that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then they have just some re- weird, obscure games, like Wave Race. You remember that shit? Dude, uh, Wave Race 64. Was, Wave uh, Race 64. That was a, uh, yeah, N64 game. Yeah, I mean, like, and some of the other games that are here, uh, there are some Final Fantasy games, Mega Man, 
obviously Street Fighter, but I think Street Fighter, you've already got them. Like we've already got Street Fighter Two, <laughs> and, and and the yeah, big but... the big kind of Street Fighter pack is coming soon, yeah. so that's fine. Um, but and then there's Harvest Moon. Well, that's the Wii U game. Uh, Mario got like there's a, there's a bunch of games here that I just I just haven't played. Fire Emblem, Earthbound. Fire Emblems are good games. Bloody yeah. For sure. Earthbound. Yeah. I think I said Motherbrain, but I think Earthbound I think Earthbound is made by the company Motherbrain now that yeah. I think about it. Yeah. And also think about anyway. it, Carrick. I mean, what about Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat yeah, and the SNES. Like there's there's so many games that I remember that aren't on this list. And if it was I if Mortal Kombat, even an old one, was on the fucking Switch, I would probably play it where I would not <laughs> yeah. play it. On the Xbox, like I don't know why, but the idea of just grabbing a fighter and being like while while doing something that that's actually. And I will say though, I I think there is there could be a good chance of that coming because I remember on the Xbox 360 there was a Mortal Kombat pack, yeah, where it was like you know the original three and and whatever it was. Um, so I I think there is a good chance, but it's more about. There was an article about this the other day, and it really resonated with me. It asked whether Nintendo was intentionally holding Virtual Console back. And I think they absolutely are to to a I time so where well. they might not have that many exclusives out there. Even though this year there are some great exclusives, like I think we're getting a Yoshi game, a Kirby game, Mario Tennis. I'm so fucking pumped for that. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't have a Super Mario Odyssey. We don't have a Zelda. Like I think this year they really need to bring out Virtual Console. And you know, this is preaching to the yeah. to the choir. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's implemented. I think I'd prefer, in my opinion, either be able to you know have this subscription service and individual purchases or just have individual purchases. I wouldn't just want a subscription service because I don't know what it is. I like the feeling of owning a game. You know, oh, what yeah, I mean? and the feeling of not having to be I mean, what if I mean, how's it gonna check your DRM and stuff if you're on a train and there's no wireless? Oh, like, that, that yeah, would kill I, me. Yeah, there has to be, there's got to be a way I mean, to rent and buy. Look at Super Mario Run. You couldn't play that game without being connected. And I couldn't play that game if I was on a train because it keeps going in and out of service. Yeah, yeah. So there's, my hope is that they're smart enough to, that, that's yeah. the thing is we, you'll never quite know. It, it, and if it's a single purchase, how much do you charge? Like, that's another big question. Like, how much would you pay? Let's say there's a Mortal Kombat. How much would you pay? Yeah. So, so to me, a membership has a positive, and that's that I can play some games I would never buy at all. Mm. And then to me, purchasing has the positive of I can play the game whenever I want. Yeah. So no matter what, like you said, you almost need both. Because if you don't have both, then you're, there's, there's a chance that you'll sort of miss out. But what do you charge somebody? Like, what do you – a wave race – Okay, hold on. I, this is the question. What, <laughs> how much do you think Wave Race 64 is on the Wii U Virtual Console? On the Wii U Virtual Console? Yes. Uh, I don't know the prices, but I would... I mean, $4.99? It's, so it's $9.99. Um, Ooh, that's that's yeah. actually pretty fucking high, to be now, honest. Now, here's the th- interesting thing. I mean, I think the Nintendo-owned IPs, from what I see on the Wii U Virtual Console, most of them are $9.99. And then the third party mm-hmm. ones go down to four ninety nine. There is not okay. one game here that is over ten dollars. And I think ten dollars like max. That that yeah cannot go more than that. Um, but yeah, like it, it, I understand the benefits of having a subscription if you're already wanting to play online and it's just a little bit extra every month and you get access to all these games instead of having to buy them individually because ten 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 it will add up. 
for, for a lot of people. So I just I just hope that, that we have the option of both, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, so do I. I don't know. I'll have to I would have to think about those prices because like Yeah. There's a experimentation price, I guess is the best way you hmm. can describe it. And the all in one is awesome because you can do that. And I have have even done it now with Game Pass. So I would say, yeah, it's I, the only way to really successfully do it, I think, and please everybody is to have two, but then you really do have to look at prices. I guess if they were charging $4.99 and $9.99, that's probably the only way you could do it. I mean, otherwise yeah. you're barely charging anybody like 99 cents or something. Yeah, that's hard to, hard to know where yeah. to split it. Uh, yeah, and I can see some people that aren't happy with $9.99, but so long as it's not over 10 I think like just keep it under that $10 mark. Yeah, for right, games. right. Uh, and, yeah, and we'll be kosher, sure. Nintendo. Yeah, um, yeah. So we are at the end of this podcast. It was still somewhat short, but we had a lot of interesting news. Thank you so much for joining up until this point, Carrick, as always. Thank you. Yes, that was a blast, of course. Well, let's talk about L.A. Noir for an entire podcast <laughs> next time, minutes. too. Fuck it. We're gonna, we should even title it, like, whatever game we're supposed to cover, and then yeah. just be like, so about L.A. Noir. <laughs> <laughs> what a great game. Um, oh, dude. Yeah, I hear you. Fantastic. Anyways, guys, thank you so much again uh, for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Peace out.